you know? Hey, how are you? Where are you going? Dan no, Dana. She's gonna be cut. Oh. Uh, you, you need the Bible. Yeah, I, the notes are just for y'all's benefit because I, I don't even use them in class, really. I just That's kind of how I get my thoughts together as to what we're going to talk about. Is I outline the chapter just so I make sure I'm coming from the text and not putting my own stuff in. Okay, we're going to talk about being a disciple. Listen, there is no difference between a Christian and a disciple. If you are a Christian, then you are a disciple. If, you know, a lot of people have the idea in their mind that, you know, well, I got saved, you know, but I don't know if you'd call me a disciple because, you know, whatever. That, that's not a distinction that the New Testament makes. Um, in Acts 11, 26, we'll be in John 1, but I'm going to read to you. The end of Acts 11, 26, it says that the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch, and that's in Acts 11. So there is no difference. Like some people think, I've met people that think that being a disciple it means you're like a super Christian. You know, like you're, you're really on fire, super. That, that There is no distinction. If you're a Christian, then you are a follower of Christ. You are a disciple, and you're called to be a disciple. And so what we see in this chapter in the rest of John 1, and I'm going to try to involve y'all more rather than just lecture. Because last week, I know a lot of y'all caught up on your sleep, you know, but I want y'all to, be, I want y'all to be, be involved. So feel free to stop and talk and ask questions as long as they're about what we're talking about. Um, what we're going to see is that uh, a person who is not a disciple is a person who's not a Christian. And that's not because you've got to be this good in order to be a Christian. It's because God works in your heart to make you desire to follow Him. It's as simple as that. Uh, I said this morning, I'll probably say again in 1030 service, you do what you love. You will do what you love. You'll make room to do what you love. If you love fishing, you have an opportunity to go fishing, you'll push stuff around in your schedule so you can go fishing. You will do what you love. And when you become a Christian, when you become a disciple of Christ, He puts inside of you a spirit that changes your heart to desire Him, to love Him. So it's not a matter of you've got to do this good in order to call yourself a Christian. It's not that at all. It's that you now have a God-given desire to follow Him, a desire to love Him, a desire to serve Him, a desire. Everybody understand that? So when we're talking about being a disciple, we're not talking about when, when I talk about the things that a disciple is and the things that a disciple isn't. I'm not talking about if you're not measuring up to the standard, then you can't. Because really, none of us are measuring up to the standard. We just have the God-given desire to want to be this and it shows up in our life. Make sense? With me? Alright, I'm gonna read instead of going piecemeal like I've been going, I'm gonna read the whole thing. And then we're just gonna talk about it rather than me doing like I've been doing. So maybe that'll make it more where we can talk and interact and all that. Okay? 29, it's it's 29 through 51. Okay? John has been baptized. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming to him. And he says, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. 
This is he, this is what John's saying, this is he of whom I said, after me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore, that's the reason, am I come baptizing with water. The reason I came baptizing is, you know, that he would be known. And John bore record saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and then abode upon him. Uh, I just lost my place. <coughs> and I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptized with the Holy Ghost. This is how John knew it. And I saw and bore record that this is the Son of God. Again, the next day, after John stood and two of his disciples, they were there with him, Looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God again. And the two disciples heard him, John's disciples, heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. They left John and followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following and saith unto them, What seek you? Jesus said, What y'all want? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say being interpreted master or teacher, Where dwellest thou? Where you, where you living at? Or where you stay if you're from Brownsville? <laughs> he said unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt, and they abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two, which heard John speak and followed him, was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, or Kephas, which is by interpretation a stone. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and find Philip. And said unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael. You sense in the pattern here? Philip found Nathanael. And said unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and he said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no guile. Nathanael said unto him, Whence knowest thou me? How you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before that Philip called you, he said, When you was under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou, that's why you believe? Thou shalt see greater things than this. And he said to him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Okay, that's a whole lot to read, I know. But now we won't have to read it. Now we can kind of talk about it. I want you to see there's five things in this text that these are things that I just pulled out. You could preach. I mean, this these texts are so deep and they're so filled with stuff that, I mean, you could preach all kinds of different ways about, you know, them calling Son of God and what it means, the Son of Man, the King of Israel. The, there's so many ways you can approach the text. But some patterns that I saw emerging were that, number one, that... To be a disciple means you're trusting in a person. A lot of times we get to the idea that if I just have a belief system, you know, I believe that 
you know, I believe X, Y, and Z is true, then that makes me a follower. That doesn't make you a follower. It makes you just somebody who understands history or the truth. What makes you as a follower is you follow a person. That person is Christ. You follow Him. When 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 the John came baptizing. He didn't come saying, okay, now here we go, guys. We're going to believe this is what I need you to know. We need to know this doctrine and this doctrine and this doctrine and this doctrine. He said, the reason that I came baptizing was so I could show you him. He said, there he is. That was his message, was to point to a man. He wasn't, he wasn't preaching about this is, you know, this is what you need to understand and be true and this is all that. He was like, there he is. Follow him. Go after him. You understand? So being a disciple means you're following a person. You're trusting in a person. It's a personal relationship with Christ. You understand that? Anything you need to add? Anything you want to say? Any examples? Anything? Following a person, what does it look like to follow Christ? If you're following Christ, what does it look like? To live your life by His footsteps. Huh? Live your life by His example. Yeah, to live your life by His example. To live your life by what he said, you know? Well, in the scripture, you know, it said that, you know, John had disciples. So, you know, there were people that followed John. Mm -hmm. Every rabbi had disciples at this time. You know, you would, what you would do is they would go follow the, the young Jewish boys that wanted to be, you know, rabbis and teachers of their own. They would go find a rabbi and they would follow him. And the way that they learned was not the way that we learn today. Like, if you learn in school or whatever, we do it like this. You know, a teacher teaches and you suck up the knowledge and then we test you by you regurgitating the knowledge. You know, like, I give you a test and you got to write out to this. But back then, a, a disciple would come to the rabbi and he would, I mean, he would follow him everywhere. He would eat with him, sleep, not sleep with him, but you know what I mean, like in the same place. You know, that like he would live with him and he would do it. And the way that the disciple would learn to follow the rabbi was he would actually imitate him. He would imitate his voice patterns, his inflections, the things that he taught, the way that he did what he did. I mean, it was, it was almost like I'm training to be him. You know what I mean? Like I'm training to be this guy. Huh? Like an apprentice. Right, right. But instead of just learning a trade or learning, a, I mean, back then, they would they would model their whole everything after what this guy was doing. So Jesus was considered one of these rabbis by a lot of these Jewish folks. And so when they came to him to be a disciple, they were like, he, he turned around. Did you hear me? He said, like, what y'all want? And they said, we, we won't come with you. You know, he said, where you stay at? Where you, where you live? You know, that, that's where we want to go. That's where we're and they called him rabbi, saying, I, I want to I wanna follow you. I want to I wanna be your student. I want to be your, be your disciple. I want to I I come after you. And that's the second thing. Disciples follow Christ. It's not, it's not just a belief system. It's a person. And disciples follow Christ. A lot of people, and this is, this is strange I mean, it's not strange, it's, but it's, especially in America, like, you can call yourself a Christian just because I'm not a Muslim or a Buddhist or a Jewish person, you know what I mean? Like, I'm from Tennessee, that, you know, 
Makes me a Christian. You know, we're all, we're all Christian. You know, what religion do you practice? Oh, I'm a Christian. Why are you Christian? Well, because I'm not Muslim and I'm not whatever. That's not being a disciple. That's not following Christ. That's throwing a name around your name. You know, and even people that go to church, even people that consider themselves religious, we're talking about a lifestyle of following Christ. We're, we're talking about suffering as he suffered. You know, the world persecuted him. The world hates me. They're going to hate you. That's what he said. We're talking about following his teachings about who he was and what his sacrifice accomplished for us. And how we have a love for God and a desire for God, not because of our own goodness, not because of our own anything, but because of what he did in our hearts. You know, we're talking about following in the footsteps of Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to be a disciple of Christ. And a lot of people have that mixed up. Because if you follow the tenets of Buddhism or, or Islam or Mormonism or, you know, you just pick one. That's, that's what separates Christianity from all other world religions. You have to do X, Y, and Z. If you want to be a Muslim... You have to say the shahada. You have to pray five times a day. You have to, you know, you have to do all these things. You have to make a trip to Mecca once in your lifetime. You have to, you know, all these things. If you want to be, you know, if you want to be a Mormon, you got to do some. You got to spend two years on mission, which is going, you know, around the handing out literature and the guys with the white shirts and black ties on the bicycles. You've probably seen them. Uh, if you want to be, you know, Jehovah's Witnesses, they have to work. They have to work for the dead. You got to go door to door. Got to do your thing. You know, that's what separates Christianity from all other religions because it's the only one that says you don't have to do anything. You have to trust in what another one has already done. See what I mean? You have to trust in what he did. And if it's left up to you to do in order to earn, then you, you ain't going to make it. You ain't going to make it. There ain't no hope for you. So disciples follow Christ. And one of the things that we read when we were reading about John the Baptist, it, it was the purpose of his life to just make Christ known. And to know Him. To know Him and to make Him known. He said in one passage that we just read, He said, he said There He is. Behold the Lamb. He said, He's the reason why I came baptized. Is that He would be revealed to Israel. He, the only reason I'm here baptizing, the only reason I'm here preaching, the only reason here I'm doing what I'm doing is so you can meet Him. There He is. See what I mean? That's what disciples do. The only reason that I exist here, the only purpose that I have is for you to meet Him. It is for me to know Him more and for you to know Him. Okay? A lot of times we get, we get, we get bogged down in worldly things. Good things. Not evil. I'm not talking about bank robbery and murder and all that. I'm talking about good things. Wrapped up in family issues. Wrapped up in job issues. Wrapped up in all these different things that have to be done and all those stuff. And sometimes we forget that the reason why you're here. Why didn't God just save you and then miracle you on up to heaven and be with you? You know why? It's because you're here to know Him more and make Him known. You're here to trust Him more. As you live out your life, you're going to reveal. You're, you're going to. It's going to be revealed more and more that you're a sinner. 
More and more, you're going to have to repent. More and more, you're going to trust in Him. More and more, you're going to understand how much He loves you and how awful that we are in our own flesh. More and more, those things are going to be revealed. And more and more, you're going to be trusting on Him. So by the time you, by the time God takes you from this earth, you're going to understand. You're going to understand how much you need it. You're going to be perfected in the, in the twinkling of an eye. But also, you've got a mission. You're supposed to be here. To make other, to make him known to other people. That's how God works. Why? I don't know. He could miracle himself down into somebody's brain. I just stood on it. That was awesome. I think I hit your coffee cup. Don't take me drink. <laughs> think about this, and then we'll move on. I, I, I'm getting bogged down in the details. Y'all just say something. Stop. Me. Do whatever you want to do. Well, you know, you were talking about, you know, we get so wrapped up in. You know, just everyday things. You know, when we went to the judgment house, you know, one of the key parts when we were in the hell part, you know, when Satan was talking, he said, I, I use the, the biggest thing that I use against you is time. Yeah. You know, that really resonated. Yeah. Cause, I mean, how many times do we go? Don't have time. Well, it's not just, you know, like the whole, I don't have time to read my Bible. It's literally, I don't have time to even take those moments to build that personal relationship to talk sure. to him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you talk to him by praying, and he talks to you mm-hmm. with scripture. So, I mean, if you ain't got time to get into either one of them, then y'all ain't talking. You're not talking, right? I mean, God will talk to you, but so will all kind of other spirits. And you're supposed to test the spirits because they ain't all of God. The way you test them is by that book, by that word. You know, so God can speak to you, but you better make sure it lines up. One of the first commandments we have is to be fruitful and multiply. That's not just reproduction. That's teaching our children to teach other, you know, to teach their children to teach their children. It's a generation of multiplication sure. and fruitfulness. And that, that what he told Adam, go forth... Be fruitful and multiply. He also told Noah and he also told Abraham. And that that command is the purpose. We're supposed to be spreading God's image over the world. And that's the fulfillment of that is when Jesus said, Go and make disciples. Right. You know, so we're spreading his image when we go and and that's the next thing that you bring that up was <coughs> disciples make disciples. Did you see what happened when Jesus when Jesus took a disciple? What happened? Yeah, Philip went and told Simon, brought Simon, and then the other one was was a Nathaniel. Nathaniel brought. I think I got them mixed up. It's four. Nathaniel brought. All right, now let me lay. You got me. Philip got Nathaniel, and Andrew got Peter. Right? Yeah. Is that right? But did you see? You see how it happened. John, John had two that was following him. And when Jesus arrived on the scene, he said, "Behold, the land there is." What happened to those two? Go. No, he was. He, he said, "I'm here to show." That was part of his purpose. I'm here so, to show you him. There he is. And so his disciples went to them. And those two disciples, one of them was Andrew. First thing he says Andrew did, and got his brother. And then first thing Philip did, when he got his brother. And you see, you, that's how it started. That's how the gospel multiplied. That's how, that's how people come to know Christ. Um, 
I had a discussion with someone who said, you know, if, it was one of them people that say, you know, if God wants them, you know, he'll just miracle them, you know, or whatever. And so we, we got to talk about Acts chapter 10. And it was, it was weird because you got, in Acts chapter 10 is where Peter came to Cornelius' house and witnessed to him, basically. But before that, God spoke, what? Maybe make a fun of me. God spoke to Cornelius. I mean, like I'm speaking to you. He said, hey, Cornelius, you need to send for Peter. He's going to come and tell you something. And so Cornelius said, oh, okay, I'm going to send for Peter. And then God came and spoke to Peter and said, Peter, these guys are trying to come knock on your door. When they come, go with them. You know? And so God used Peter to witness to Cornelius, but he had already talked to both of them. I'm thinking like, why didn't God just tell Cornelius the gospel? He's already talking to him. It's not how he works. He works through he works through his body. He works through us. He works through his children. He uses us to spread the gospel message, to spread the the news about Christ. He had I mean God spoken what? Because oh. like in what we read, every time that they went to get someone, he was like, who we've been looking for. Like they were already seeking, and I wonder if there was a difference between... Well, they had... Because he was like, hey, we found him, like they had been yeah. actively... The, yes, it was part of the Jewish cultural mindset. They were looking for a Messiah. And you, all through the Gospels, you see that they didn't understand what kind of Messiah Jesus was going to be. They were expecting a Messiah that would come with a, you know, with a sword that's going to throw out all the Romans and stuff. And so they were, they were saying, we found the Messiah. And he was the Messiah. But they would grow in their understanding as to who he would be and what, what was going on. Even after he died, he showed up you know, on the road to Emmaus and... They didn't know what was going on. He said, and they said, haven't you read the scriptures? And he opened their mind to what, that he would have to die and he have to rise again and all those things. So they were expecting the Messiah. But that brings us to the last point, which is that disciples grow in their understanding and relationship to Christ. Did you see, he said, when, oh no, let me do this one before that. The one I like the most is that it seemed like in this passage that disciples are known by Jesus. They're known in a relational way that he knows who you are. He knows who you were. And he knows who he's going to make you. When he came, when they brought Peter, what he said, he said, he said, you're Peter. Let me read it because I will. He said, Thou art Simon, son of Jonah, thou shalt be called Cephas, which means rock. Peter means rock. Cephas is Aramaic, that means rock. Peter is Greek, that means rock. So it means rock. Now, was Peter a rock? Yeah. Huh, not at this point. He's a little pebble. He's a little, yeah, he's a baby. He's a pebble. But Peter was one of the quick mouth, I mean, he, Peter was quick to say something stupid. Now he was devoted, he was devoted, he was, but he was really quick to, he was quick to say dumb things. And he was the one that, you know, I tell you what, I'm going to die, I'm going to follow you forever. And Jesus is like, man, you're going to deny me three times for the days on. You know, and so Peter's not a rock yet, but 
After Jesus was resurrected and the Spirit came, Peter became. Peter was the one who preached the sermon, the first sermon in Acts chapter 2. He preached it with boldness. He preached it with conviction. Acts chapter 4, Peter was one of the ones that were standing before the Jewish religious leaders. And they said, they said you can't preach this no more. He said, I don't know. I'm a, he said, I don't know whether the preacher or not is, is wrong in your eyes, whatever. But we, we can't help but share what we've seen and heard. You know, Peter became a rock. So what I want you to see is that if you're a disciple, if you're, you know, if Christ lives in you, you're not what you want to be yet. You know, I talked to somebody this week, uh, last week. Uh, it's been a few weeks. And, and they were like, I'm just not where I want to be with God. And I'm like, well, if you ever get to the point that you are satisfied with your relationship with God, then you need to call me because we need to pray for you. Because you, if, if you can ever get to the point where I got it going on with the Lord, it's all good, He's proud of me, it's all good, something bad wrong. But you understand, Jesus saw, He gave him the name Rock. You're going to be a rock. He knew, He knew what Peter was going to be. And He knows what you're going to be. Same thing He said to Nathaniel. Nathaniel, Nathaniel walked up. He said, Jesus said, well, look here, an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. He knew Nathaniel. He knew who he was right then. You know, when he said he's an Israelite in whom there's no deceit, didn't mean he was a perfect Israelite. He meant that he was one that was really trying to keep the law. He was one that was trying to live for God by works, by works of the law. He was trying his best. He was sincere about wanting to live for God. And he knew Nathaniel before Nathaniel ever walked up to the deal. He said, he, Nathaniel said, how, how, how do you know me? He said, man, I saw you even back before Philip called you. He said, I saw you under the tree. You know, and that's where Nathaniel believed. He said, you are the son of God. See, so as a disciple, it's not all about what I can do or what I'm supposed to be doing. It's about the relationship that Christ has with me. You see what I mean? Make sense? Any thoughts, questions, comments, cries about rage? No? Last thing, uh, what uh, Valerie was saying is that disciples grow in their understanding and their relationship with Christ. You grow. You're going to be more, you're going to know more about Christ. When I say about Him, I don't mean like just... <coughs> You're going you're gonna to have walked. If I know, I can tell you all about it. If you don't know Dana and you look at her resume and you look at her profile where she likes this and likes that, you can know about Dana. But until you've been in a relationship with her for three or four years, you don't really know Dana. You know what I mean? Like, and so when you walk with Christ as a disciple, you're going to get to know Him more. He's going to reveal Himself more to you. It's going to be more of a, a relationship. It's going to be more and more. The, the greatest way I see this here is uh, they, were, they knew He was Messiah, but they didn't know what all that entailed yet. And Jesus said, He said, you believe me because I said I saw you up under the tree. He said, but as we go on, you're going to see greater. You're going to see greater things than that. He said. In fact, you're going to see the angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man, which sounds really weird. Y'all know what that. Y'all know what that points to? 
dove. A dove? Oh, I thought you said dove. I thought you said. It points to. Huh? No, no, y'all getting mixed up. That was before. John said, I saw the Spirit descend on him right at the end. Let me read it again. It says. 51. 51. 50. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw the end of the fig tree, believest thou, thou shalt see greater things than these. And he said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, hereafter you shall see heaven opened, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. No idea? I know it's two, it's four, five in here that should know the answer. Because I've told them in youth class. In, everybody looks at Easton. Come on, Easton. In Genesis 28, 12, Jacob has a dream. And what's Jacob's dream? I'm going to read you the verse. 28.12. You can just write it down. Genesis 28. This is before Jacob wrestles with God. It says, And he dreamed, this is Genesis 28.12, And behold, a ladder set up upon the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And what Jacob's ladder was in Genesis 28 was it was a bridge between God and man. It was the angels ascending and descending. It was, it was communication between God and man. It was, it was a bridge that bridged the gap between the holy and the sinful. It was, it was the one thing, you know, it was, it was a picture of what of God being reconciled with man. There's this ladder that connects man to God now. And Jesus was saying, look, you know, now when he said this, you got to remember, Nathaniel is an Israelite in whom there is no God. He was, he was one who was, you know, trying to do the deal. So he would have known. They would have known. They would have grown up learning about this. It was part of their, part of their education. He said, look, you're going to see that I'm the one that Jacob was dreaming about way back then. I'm the one that connects God and man. I'm the one that reconciles you to God. I'm the one, I'm the one in whom relationship with me is relationship with God, is what he was saying. Y'all see that? Any questions? Okay, so if a disciple in this passage is a disciple is somebody that trusts in a person. Jesus is somebody that grows in that relationship. It's somebody that follows Christ. And it's somebody that makes disciples of others. That was John's purpose. I'm here just to show you him. And if you're around me, if you're with me, you need to leave me and you need to go follow him. That's what I'm here to do is to show you him. And so disciples... And the one I like the best is that it seemed like the disciples, who they're going to be and who they are and who they were, Jesus knew. He knew who they were. And so not only does he, he knows where you came from, so that need not haunt us about who we were. He knows who you are now, which means he knows that you're still in flesh and that you battle and that you, so that need not haunt us. 
And He knows who He's going to make us. So we don't have to worry about what's going to be. And that need not haunt us. You see what I mean? He knows us. Y'all understand? With me? Any, anything? I'm, I'm done? Anything? Was, that was awesome? It was neat? Wow. Okay. Well, next week we'll do the wedding at Canaan. I'll send you the. I'll send you the outline. I mean, if you want, it, I'll, I'll send it anyway. But it's just for y'all. It's just for y'all's benefit if you if you want to read it. Because we don't like go through it here or nothing. I just have to do them for myself.